That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one evil plan at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And I'm Janae from JanaeHyatt.com. And today, dun, 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 we have the infamous Crystal Beth here with us. Yay! Hello! Hello! I'm so excited. I say that all the time, but I'm actually excited all the time <laughs> all the time uh, i thought you were gonna say you were actually excited to be on our podcast i was about to say that and then i was like you know what i don't want to hurt anyone's feelings i'm excited <laughs> to be on everyone's podcast which you pretty much have been if if any of you listeners out there listen to other movies by minute podcasts you've probably heard crystal beth before because she's on all of them i talk a lot <laughs> which is perfect considering that you're on a podcast Exactly. And sometimes I know a lot and sometimes I know a little, but I always have fun. <laughs> and that's what's important. Yes. Now, you also do the Fifth Element podcast. Have y'all finished that up yet? We have. Uh, we're going to release three more episodes and then our final goodbye, which has nothing to do with the minutes of the movie at all. So we have three minutes left. Oh, no. my God. Aww. It's crazy. Well, four because Friday. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah. As of right now. Woo. And do you have another project <laughs> after that? We have a lot of stuff being tossed around. I'm really debating on doing a podcast about wine. Oh. Because mm. I have a lot of friends that know a lot about wine, and I know a lot about wine. So we were thinking of that, but then I'm also thinking of doing something with Forrest Gump. But we'll see. Mm. Bobby and I know nothing about wine. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Well, actually, from this podcast, we know a little well, bit about wine. <laughs> we know a little bit. Well, I mean, I know a little about a little bit about oh, what's it called? Napoleon Brandy, because I had to research that oh. for a play I was in. Well, there you go. Other than you know that, more I than me about anything. Napoleon Brandy. It's just brandy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've forgotten most of what I learned about it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That happens to me in everything I do. I understand. Anyway, we're excited to hear whatever you come out with next. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. But today we are talking about minute 48 of Beauty and the Beast, which starts out with Belle saying, by the way, and ends with Monsieur Dirk summarizing Gaston's new plan. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, I like it. We both do that all the time. <laughs> It is ominous. Uh, he's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back in the scene that I love where she's bandaging him up. And uh, I guess getting to my first note, I love that she says thank you and Beast does like a double take and he's like, uh, well, wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that she's the one who breaks that barrier. Like if you think about Taylor's oldest time song where she's like, barely even friends, then somebody bends unexpectedly. This is that first moment. And they have quite a few of them, but well, this is one of them, I guess. Yeah. Instant goosebumps right? when you just said that. Because it's true. It's so true. Like, she bends a little bit and she is like, okay, I can accept and appreciate what you did for me. And he's like, wait, I wasn't expecting that. I don't know how to respond and react 
and um, it makes Weren't him stop. We just yelling. That's what I know, thinks. right? <laughs> He's like, doesn't this yelling continue until someone is eaten? Well, and he's, I mean, he's been surrounded by his servants who are things for years and years now. And he doesn't know how to interact, as we've talked about before, with like normal people and strong personality types who are willing to stand up to him. And so mm-hmm. I think he's definitely, I mean, up to this point, he's seen her in conflict with him. She's been fighting against him plenty up to this point and then she takes a step back and is like thanks and he it's something that he doesn't foresee happening so he's just like totally thrown off which is awesome well this might be the first time that he's had anybody sincerely thank him for anything probably he's not exactly a generous and giving guy yeah (laughs) it's just nice to see him relax into that because he's so shocked like you said but then once he sits and stares at her as the scene changes he's so comfortable and he's just kind of looking down at her but it's still facing her like he didn't turn back to the side again and it's it's Mm. very warm feeling especially with the fire well and the way he says you're welcome just kind of has this like like you said like settling tone to it he's not like defensive anymore in his voice he's not angry he's not justifying or any of those things in his voice he's just kind of like Huh, you're, you're welcome. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. And so <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I do too. And it's, I mean, I'm, you guys have talked about it before, just like everything about the lighting and the, where the camera, I'm doing air quotes, camera is <laughs> and the voice acting and just the animation, everything and almost every, I mean, it's the reason why it got the Academy Award. Right. It's such a well-drawn movie where you can feel these things, and she looks so small next to him, but he's in totally the vulnerable one, even though he's technically in the higher position of power, and she's mm-hmm. on the ground helping him, he's still there as the the vulnerable one, and it's so cool. Oh, yeah. I love this movie so much, I'm so excited to be on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, Bobby, you have another note about this part before we switch over to Gaston, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I was thinking when you said, you know, this is the moment that she starts to bend. I kind of wonder, does that mean that like after the thank you is when Beast starts to bend? Or did he kind of have a little bit of a change of heart when he went out and saved her from the wolves? Or was that just like protecting his property? Oh, I mean, that's why I kind of took it back when I heard to say this is the first time. Because mm-hmm. I think that they both have multiple times when each one bends just a little bit and then the other one is taken aback and surprised and then they mm-hmm. keep going forward and then the other one does something and they're taken aback and surprised. And it's like kind of this like tentative thing coming from each of them where they don't really expect each other to do something but they keep doing it so i don't know i guess you could say he was first in going to save her yeah i mean it could go either way i mean that could be it could be both sides of this where Mm -hmm. he was like oh this thing that i need to keep here because we all know why he wants this girl here right it's yeah it's 
cool that she's pretty and cool that she's, you know, fun to hang out with sometimes, but he wants her because he needs to break the spell. So it could be that desperation that he feels to be like, I need to get this woman back to me. But the fact that he sacrificed so much of himself once he got there, if it was really a property thing and it came to him almost dying, he wouldn't have gone all the way to there because then what would it matter Mm. if he could change back to a human anyway? Right. But the fact that he... Right. And he does end up sacrificing part of himself or part of himself. That's that's the wrong word. He does end up sacrificing himself, his whole self. He almost died (laughs) to uh, save her. That's a big deal. And the fact, honestly, I think her breaking point was when she instead of leaving like she wanted Mm -hmm. to this whole time was picking him up and putting her on her horse and getting him out of there. Right. So This is her still in that. Wait, why did I just do that? Well, and also, I think for him going to rescue her in the first place could partially just be that he's not, he's not a bad person. I think that's one of the things where maybe it's not him necessarily bending, but him being actually the good person he is deep inside that Mm -hmm. hasn't been showing, you know, because he's not Mm -hmm. evil. He's not malicious. He's possibly a spoiled prince who is still a little kid inside who has anger management problems but i mean he has never intended any harm towards her and so i think partially maybe that could have been just him actually being a decent person inside going to save her because he's like okay she's gonna be in trouble although he didn't (laughs) try and go help maurice but uh i don't know he can figure it out himself right yeah but he he had to warm up to her you know what that's I mean? it's true. not just like he's not just gonna be like oh oh i forgot i have a warm heart inside my beast body <laughs> right he was melted a little bit by her right. so of course he feels more of an attachment to her her than maurice, than maurice yeah also she's a beautiful woman maurice right is an mm. old man and i hate to yeah. say it but everyone's superficial yeah yeah yep yeah to some degree to some degree those first but impressions. I love that. That's one of the things I love about this movie. We've talked about it so many times, but it, it really brings you into it with its the realness of the movie, the camera, the actors, the sounds, all that. But then their relationship is real as well. I mean, the give and take of going back and forth and doing something a little nice and a little nicer than you know that that's how real relationships work. When you get in a fight, which I don't think my wife or I have ever gotten in a fight with each other, uh, <laughs> never. But that's how it goes. You know, you're angry at each other, and then you know somebody does something nice and then you're like okay well i'm gonna do something nice too and then you know it builds up and you you continue to build up that relationship towards each other again um and in this case this is you know the first time that it's happening with them is that they're having that back and forth of growing together so Mm -hmm. there's actually time for them to form a relationship and we don't see too much of it you know in the film i don't think we've talked about it but the the little like beauty and the beast winter whatever wonderland thing because we're not there yet yeah yeah but uh you know they have more time to get to know each other in this movie than traditional Disney princesses and their instant loves. So, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, my lo- note, last note before we kind of switch scenes here is we're looking at the fireplace. Made a big deal about it last time. They switched all the stuff out. <laughs> this is not the same stuff that was on the fireplace before. I don't so. remember what was on the other fire. There were some shields and like like crest shield things and I think some swords on there. 
And now they just have like kind of, I guess they're lion heads or dragon looking heart things. And you mm. think they were actually armed, oh, what is it? Uh, military guys that were turned into shields that were like, I have to go to the bathroom. And then like <laughs> kind of walked away and they were like, wait, I don't go to the bathroom. And then oh. they haven't gotten back to their spot yet. Okay, totally see what you're saying. Well, hmm. okay, sorry. Not what you were saying, Crystal, but what Bobby was saying about it being <laughs> Well, okay. Boy, I was like, that wasn't profound what I just said at all, but alright. <laughs> no, I was like going back to look at the scene because I was like, I don't know what Bobby's even talking about. We which those lion head things that you're talking about are mm-hmm. there in the previous one, but there is they are lacking the three shields and the two swords yeah, above yeah. it. Which, I mean, this goes back to what Tony Bancroft was saying about just some of the scenes, they were not always consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still love Disney, we still love Beauty and the Beast, but there was just some inconsistency sometimes in yeah. their <laughs> animation and stuff. Well, that's I think that's across the board with Disney movies. Yeah. One thing that's always, and it's a note that I actually have in a further section of this, is it's not even an inconsistency, but it's always bothered me that I've known what a character is going to touch in a scene because it's a different color than the rest. So like if they're going to open a drawer, that drawer is a different mm-hmm. shade of tan than the rest of the scene. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I so that's an example of what happens in a minute from now, but or here's an example that's not from this movie. When the statue of Prince Eric blows up in the Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. all the pieces shatter and you don't see any anywhere except for except the for the face. face of Eric at which point the eel flicks it towards Ariel. It's a different color than the rest of the scene. So yeah. you know it's going to move. And from when I was a tiny child, that's <laughs> always bothered me. because, And I can't even pinpoint why. Because it could be maybe I just don't like that those colors are different. Or maybe it's that mm-hmm. I don't like that you took away the surprise of I, someone opening a door. Or maybe yeah. it seems lazy to me. I don't even know what it is. But it's like a bad video game. And you're like, okay, here comes a trap. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. But then in most of the backgrounds, like here as we're switching to the to the next scene with the tavern, I mean, I'm slowly going through this transition. I mean, they've got the trees behind the tavern and the individual little branches. And there's just so much detail in this. It's just, uh, I always want to get a large format printer and just like print out a bunch of these screenshots and stick them all over the place. But uh, <laughs> but I just make them screensavers instead. <laughs> That works too. I love the transitional music here because it goes into, it's not like straight Gaston's theme, but it's a variation of Mm -hmm. his theme that's kind of in a different key or something. I don't know. I'm not musical. Mm. I mean, I am musical, but not that kind of musical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just really love how it transitions into kind of like a creepy version of the Gaston song. Yeah. And it suits it. Yes, it's perfectly suited. And then that spotlight. And there's like one light shining out of the window. There's only one window that's lit up. So you can tell everyone else has gone home. This must be like three in the morning or something. I feel like it's got to be like really late. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, don't drunk people stay out pretty late usually? Or is that just these days? Uh, I mean, I feel like drunk people have always stayed out late, but it's not hard to find a dark corner of a bar. Mm. 
And unfortunately, they can't have a super dark corner because we wouldn't be able to see them just <laughs> as people watching a movie. But I'm going to pull up a little bit of a, some Harry Potter logic here. Ooh-hoo. Where Remember when they went to, uh, it was Hermione, Ron, and uh, Harry all went to talk about starting a secret thing. And was it Mad-Eye Moody was like, uh, why don't you go to a busy tavern so no one can hear you? <laughs> so... They could be at a busy tavern, but because we're watching this, they want us to focus on it. Ah. So it could be, this is all Hmm. speculation coming off of my Harry Potter logic, (laughs) 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 but it could be that they are actually in a relatively busy tavern, but they know that when Gaston has this face, maybe don't mess with him. Also, don't go over where the guy from the asylum is sitting because who knows? Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting theory. I hadn't thought of that. I don't agree with it, but I like it. (laughs) 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 But I like it because I love anything Harry Potter related that you can bring in. Also, by the way, can I just say I just got back from vacation to Florida and we went to Disney World my first time ever going to Disney World. And I went in Gaston's Tavern and took a picture sitting in his big chair that he, like, sits in during the Gaston song. It was so cool. Nice. And I saw him. Facebook group. But he was not. Did you get to see him? That handsome. You answered. Mm. You answered it. I mean, (laughs) I didn't get to take a picture or talk to him or anything. I've heard, like, he's usually pretty fun to talk to, but I didn't get to talk to him. They had a really short line. What? I said, guess what I did while you were gone? What'd you do while I was gone? I finally watched the new Beauty and the Beast. <gasps> no! <gasps> That's I'm so shocked. exciting! I'm very, very shocked. <laughs> yeah, it was on Netflix, so... Uh, what did you think? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> were you <laughs> underwhelmed? Because I was underwhelmed. Yeah, it wasn't, I'll say this, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. Right, that's where I was at. And I was surprised that one of the most annoying things to me in the movie was Mrs. Potts. (gasps) Right? Yeah, same. I did not like like her at all. I mean, I love Emma Thompson, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, Mm -hmm. okay, there were just all the casting choices not all the casting choices, but Mrs. Potts, Lumiere, and Cogsworth were all bad casting choices. Yeah. yeah. They were all boring. I feel like Emma Thompson was trying to like channel Angela Lansbury doing Cockney and I didn't like it, it just it just was not good. It's like, okay, just be yourself as a pot. Don't try to be someone else being a pot. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's one thing that I had a problem with the whole movie. The whole movie, mm-hmm. I felt like every single person watched Beauty and the Beast right before they went out to this. <laughs> and they were like, okay, got it. This is how we do it. I'm going to be this exact character, except for the vanity and the piano. Piano, it's got piano. the harpsichord. Harpsichord, yeah. I actually did like them. They were great. They were great. But, I mean, they're great actors. Anyway. And those characters, okay, I guess the wardrobe was in the original, but the character was very different in this movie than it was in the original. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like with the music, that was was my my second big thing was they they didn't do a great job with the music. No, they didn't. Emma Watson... That's her name, right? Watson? Yes. Yeah. She was auto-tuned. She sounded like she was in a sound booth the whole time. 
Also, she had no spunk. And I've actually, yeah. so um, obviously I've listened to some of your podcasts, not all of it, but a couple weeks. And you mentioned that only one or two of your guests had seen Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So, or the new one. So I made sure, because it was on my flight to Germany. I made sure that I watched it on the flight so that I'd be able to be someone that you could talk to about this movie. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and I was so irritated because Emma Watson took everything that Belle was and just freaking mushed it down to nothing. <laughs> because Belle is a spunky, smart spitfire. And I don't think it's Emma Watson's fault. I think it's the director's fault. I think mm. Emma Watson couldn't have done it because... Hermione was more of a spitfire than right? her version of Belle was. She played Belle so cute and kind of naive. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. the opposite mm-hmm. of what she is. Like, yeah, she talked about reading books. but And you saw how much she loved books. But she looked like a girl who's never seen a book, who started dating a guy who loved books, who knew she needed to act like she liked books to hang out <laughs> with him. <laughs> Which is not what this is. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I did, okay, do you know what I actually did like, though, in the movie? Was Gaston and LeFou. I didn't like LeFou mm. during the Gaston song. Yes, right. yes. But I did like LeFou's character development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also the background of of Gaston that helped you to understand where he was coming from and when he finally was which I don't know if we're I don't know if this kind of relates but the part where he was in the tavern he was like no I didn't um, tie him up and he basically pressures LeFou into not saying that he had tied up the dad and left him for dead and then Mm -hmm. he turns everyone against the dad and makes everybody think that he's crazy like it's just so subtly devious and evil that it was like so creepy and yeah like i really was impressed with those two characters except for the gaston song i hated that song right it (laughs) honestly i think the gaston song for me it made it almost too modern yes it was way too modern they were chill like they were chill people trying to help their friends stay you know, I mean, like even in the cartoon, LeFou is just kind of excited to be along for the ride. Yeah. But in the this movie, they made him have morals that fell into like morals of today, which makes sense because it was for kids. But it just felt, yeah, I guess too modern. Is well, how, is, one of the I things that I, I mean, since we're talking about this, one of the things that I really didn't like was there was a, a patter at the end that. I'm sure Josh Gad must have ad-libbed once and they were like, that's hilarious. We must use it because sometimes that happens and sometimes those are the best parts of like shows that you do. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, I hated it because it was way too modern because basically it's that part where he's like, he's trying to spell Gaston Gaston. and then he's like, this and I don't know how to spell the rest because I'm illiterate. And I'm like, uh... How do you even know what that is if you're illiterate? Yeah. Yeah. And why are you trying to, like, just not know how to spell it, first of all? Second of all, it's, like, written on the wall right behind you. Like, (laughs) also, it's your best friend and the man you have a crush on. Right. Hugh, are you telling me he hasn't written his name in hearts around him and wrote Mr. (laughs) and Mr. Gaston over and over and over again? (laughs) 
Not that I'm a fan of that part of the new movie, but yeah. Right. Well, Disney needed to show that they weren't, they were open to other ideas of love and interest. That's what Disney needed to do. But that, you don't get that from this movie at all. They're just best buddies. And as the LeFou of the group, I understand. (laughs) You'll do anything (laughs) for the cool person you're friends with. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yes. I'm very proud of you, Bobby, for finally watching that movie. <laughs> Thanks. I almost, I almost didn't. I know. I know. Uh, I felt like I had to. At, during this podcast, I feel like it had to happen. It had to so eventually. It has. I feel like, though, maybe like at the end, once we get to like the last minutes after the credits, maybe we should do like a viewing and we'll just talk through watching it Ooh. and do an episode <gasps> like that. That that'd would be, be fun. Be fun. Yeah, do and do it so that um, someone can watch it with you. Yeah. Mm. So be like, all right, we're pressing play now. So I could watch it with you guys ah. and see what your opinions are. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, we're totally doing this. So fun. We have to do it before it leaves Netflix. <laughs> oh no. How long will it be on Netflix? They're usually on Netflix for a while. You yeah. can get everything online. <laughs> What are you advocating, Crystal Beth? This is ah, true. I mean, probably nothing. most of the people who are listening to this might probably even own it by the time we're doing that. So, Well, I'm not going to own it. I know I so. won't own it, but you know, you never know. Anyway, back to the minute. Anyway. <laughs> yes. More wingback chair. <laughs> okay. I've never seen a completely wooden wingback chair before. Me neither. It looks extremely look uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It also looks like it's way above his head. Like the wingbacks, like if you were going to rest your head on it, it's already super high. (laughs) Is that what those are for? Yeah. I mean, I I don't (laughs) know if that's what it's for. That's why I love those chairs. That's what I do anyway. I like swing one leg over one arm of the chair and then lean my head on the opposite wing. Mm. I read my book. Don't you guys do that? Okay. I don't. I have a couch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't have one either. I guess they had them <laughs> at my university's like <laughs> library or something. Um. Anyway. Okay. So my next note is about our new character, Monsieur Dark. Is that how you say um, it? Dark. I mean, it's the it's the, the Frenchness. Dark. So it'd be Monsieur Dark. What does that mean in French? It means. Uh, I don't think it actually means. Well, I'm gonna Google Translate it and just yeah, double check. Google Translate. I'm trying to remember. I know I looked it up. And it's supposed to sound like, you know, Mr. Dark. Dark. Mm. I think in French it might be like Mr. Like of the Ark. Oh. Uh, but I can't remember. I don't of think that's the, the right w- word for Ark. My French and my Spanish are mixing together and I don't remember which is which. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he's played by Tony Jay, who was an English actor, voice artist, singer. Uh, he was a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company. He did a lot of stuff in animation and film and video games. Uh, let me see. Some of his roles are uh, Frollo. I in Hunchback love of Dawn. him in that. He's, He's amazing in that. Very creepy. Awesome. Yes. Uh, what else? He was Megabyte in Reboot. I don't know what that is. Uh, looks like a TV show. He was Shere Khan in Jungle Book 2. Who's seen that? I don't think I've seen Jungle Book 2. I know I haven't. Is it the cartoon? Yeah. I've yeah. seen it. You have? <laughs> I have. There there are so many movies that when someone asks, you have? I go, I have. <laughs> oh. It's just like, uh, I've watched I so have. many bad sequels. That's how I feel about Mulan 2. I loved Mulan 2. 
<laughs> what? No, I hated it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. I was about to say, that is like on my list of top five movies, that, oh. like worst movies ever. Oh my yeah. gosh. You guys cracked A couple of my favorite little tidbits that I found about him. First of all, he was in a TV version of Beauty and the Beast. It was like a TV show from 1987, what? which was before our Beauty and the Beast. So... Isn't that oh, interesting? I have to look that up. I yeah. think he played like, from what I gathered of what I saw, it looked like he played like a doctor who helped create the beast because it was like a modernized Whoa. version or something. Anyway. Oh. So that was interesting. Also, despite being known for playing villains in lots of things, he was known to his friends and co-stars to be very kind and a very friendly man. He often played characters that were personifications of death, which we can see in this movie. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I think. Oh, yeah. He's a super tall man. He was a super tall man, like six feet, four inches tall. Oh. And skinny. Tall and skinny. And my favorite tidbit that I found was that his dialogue that is literally in this minute was all recorded during his audition. Really? Yes. Which is so interesting because Angela Lansbury's um song beauty and the beast like the one that's in the movie was also like her first take the only take i think so wow isn't that crazy his audition was what ended up in the movie can you imagine being that good i'm not like not having to edit a podcast for an hour and a half (laughs) i I can't even perfect first time i'm just like tony (laughs) J. I bow to you. You're amazing. I think that would make me like really nervous. I'd be like, wait, no, no, guys. I I need another <laughs> go at this. Do another take. <laughs> Don't use that one. <laughs> yeah. True, true, true. Could be. I don't know. Wow. Didn't say anything about that, but. So I never thought about it, but uh, he says here that, you know, he said you'd make it worth my while. I didn't ever realize that the he was probably LeFou that went and actually like got him and brought him over there mm-hmm. before they hand him like this ridiculous huge bag of money. Oh yeah. Man, I want that bag of money. Me too. But not not for something like this. Any guesstimates as to how much it's worth? No, but I have a feeling you have a guesstimate of how much it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so talking modern money, (laughs) gold coin, the weight in gold, not the actual value of a coin from that time period. But if you had a a gold coin, uh, it'd be worth about $1,300. One uh, gold coin? In today's money, one gold coin. What? So that's a pretty big bag of coins. If there are 30 coins in there, that's about $40,000. Most likely there's more closer to 60. So it's probably around 80 grand. Is it likely that that those are gold, pure gold though? Because I find that a little questionable. My thought Hmm. would be that Gaston would be one of those guys that has a roll of ones and wraps a 20 around it. (laughs) (laughs) He seems like that kind of guy. Oh, Oy. I don't. I don't know if you want to mess with the uh, Monsieur Doc, though. That's so funny. No. Uh. Or maybe he's expecting people to not mess with him. So when Gaston throws it down so haphazardly, he just looks at the first one and is like, "This guy wouldn't dare mess with me." But Gaston's yeah. a sociopath, <laughs> and so he'll mess with everyone. Uh, uh, um, I. Is it in this minute where he like scratches his cheek with the coin? Yes. Uh, yeah. Ah, it's so like, ooh, ooh. 
so creepy. It puts you there in the moment, though. Like yeah. you have the sounds and everything. It's it, just it brings like, you in. He's yeah. just like, oh, I love it's this It's also disrespectful money. to the mutt. Like he's using it as a scratcher. Well, I feel like he's like <laughs> rubbing it against his cheek because he's so in love with it. Was the oh, impression okay. I got. He was like, See, "Oh, pretty, pretty money." Oh, rub yeah. It's like swimming in coins. Like what? Scrooge McDuck. Yes. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah, the pretty, pretty money. See, my thought is like the people that like in Dumb and Dumber when they're uh, on the bed and they're crying to a movie and using all the money to like stop up their tears. <laughs> that's what I picture this like, where he's just like. He's not even thinking about it like, okay, cool, thank you, because I feel like he's done this before. He probably, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I like, the, I like the love better, though. That's a, that's a more positive <laughs> way to look at it. <laughs> or creepier Yeah, when's the way? last time you scratched your face with $1,000? <laughs> uh, never, because money is so gross and dirty. I know, right? Mm. Touche. Do you know what I was thinking when I was watching this? I was just like, because there's the part where Gaston is like, I have my heart set on marrying Belle. So what I'm thinking is she just needs a little persuasion. I was just like, why? Why, Gaston? People are so stupid. Why are people so stupid about dating? (laughs) Why do you want to marry someone who can't stand you? Why do you think, oh, I can just persuade them to like me? Like, the thrill of a chase. So stupid. Because, the, and the weird thing is, though, I think people do that today, too. Like, it may not be just looks, which is totally what it is for Gaston. He's like, she's pretty, I'm pretty. We must be together. But, like, I think other people today get things stuck in their head of, oh, this guy is perfect or this girl is perfect because of this one aspect. And then they put them on a pedestal and then they think they'll never be happy unless they're with that person. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. hearts break because they can't coerce people to be with them and they don't usually get killed by a beast at the end. So where is I going with that? I think that, I actually think that rounded out really well. <laughs> Do you guys get what I'm going where I'm going yeah. with this? Like Just, it doesn't turn out the way it does in the movie in real life, but yeah. I still think people try sometimes to think that it can that they can convince somebody to be in love with them when they're not, which is yeah. what Gaston is trying to do here basically. Once is you my start trying point. to bend someone's, uh, what is that called? Self-will? When you try to make someone into what you want them to be, it's kind of the same thing. Where you're yeah. like, yes, mm. you don't want me, but I'm going to do everything I can to get you to like me so that eventually you wear down. Yes. I've done that. I've I've had two separate humans that <laughs> I started out being like, meh, about, and then they wore me down. And they wore me down and I didn't even realize it. And then after a while, I was like, wait, I've been with you for four years and this is terrible. And that's that's what it ends up. I mean, it it wasn't terrible, but it was just. But still. You think about it and you're like, no, you tricked me into thinking that I liked you without. They might not notice that they did it, but this is the same thing that he's doing where he's like, this is the person I want. And if she doesn't want me, I'm going to ruin her life until she likes me. Not that happened. That that's <laughs> exactly. Yeah, makes sense to me. Why not? Yeah, yeah, doesn't work. <laughs> nope. <sighs> anyway, <gasps> that's my note about that. I forgot to say with dark. I love that line that he has it right before Gaston starts talking. He's like, "Ah, I'm listening." <laughs> I can't do it like he does it, but I love that part. He's just 
such a good voice actor. So I love how I love how they show the spotlight of the three of them, but you don't like you start off only seeing the back of that wingback chair, and I think they made it so tall because they wanted to hide what he looked like from the get go, mm-hmm. and you just hear his voice, and you're like, "Ooh, what kind of person is this with that mm-hmm. kind of voice and what he's saying?" And then you see him, and you're like, "Ooh, it looks." And it's it's what Disney does creepy. best. Right, it's an old creepy person, but the voice is creepier than the face. Yes. The face still has that comforting child cartoon-like face. So if a young person was watching it, they're not going to have nightmares about him. Like, they could have made him look so much scarier, and they could have made those under-eye circles much more realistic. <laughs> I don't know. His skin is pretty but gray. It's Ooh. really gray. And it's really gray. I think, I mean, this is coming from a child who was scared of everything. I couldn't even, I couldn't do anything. I had to sleep. I'm, I'm not going to go into it all, but I was so scared <laughs> all the time. But this guy never scared me because he was drawn very soft. Right. So he had a very scary face, but he still had very soft edges and his mouth Still smiling, but not with evil eyes. I know that's such a weird thing, and I'm definitely going too far into this because this was something I thought of when I was watching this movie when I was like, why wasn't I scared of this character? And I really thought about it, and his voice is terrifying, skin color's terrifying, what he exemplifies is terrifying, but he's still smiling kind of sweetly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I had a question at the at the end of the minute here is, you know, he he's familiar with Maurice. So like, has this situation come up before where he's had to go to Maurice and be like, hey, people think you're crazy. Has that happened before? Or do they just know each other because they're both old guys that live in the same general area? Uh, the latter is what I always thought. I think, I mean, I think he just knows him from being around town, but he like professionally has probably on his own been like, eh, he's really eccentric, but he's not any harm. I think he's kind of just Mm. like made observations on his own. I doubt he's probably ever talked to Maurice about anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. One of my favorite parts in this minute, probably like my favorite part in this minute that makes me laugh out loud like every time I watch it is when LeFou just comes right in behind Gaston and says, turned him down flat. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't even think twice about it. He just tells it like it is and no filter. He like, it's hilarious. Yeah, I was going to say he definitely lost some of his inhibition. And I wonder if that's because he's already been drinking for a while. Uh, and so he's a little bit drunk and he's not as worried about insulting Gaston. And, you know, he's the comic relief in this dark and scary scene with the the, the beer stein stuck on his face. <laughs> but, uh, he's definitely much more cartoony here than, than the other characters. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's actually so. You know how you were mentioning that uh, you immediately looked at the money? Mm-hmm. My first thought went right to the alcohol. <laughs> where <laughs> when he's pulling the alcohol off his face, there when he gets it off, and then Gaston slaps him. Oh no! After Gaston slaps him, when he, when he gets his, gets it off and then shakes it, there's a lot in that cup. But then mm-hmm. when he puts it over his head, there's none in it. 
<laughs> yeah. And that's something I noticed right away because I was like, yo, that beer's full. And then he put it over his head and then there was nothing in there. I guess I just always assumed it all got sloshed out whenever he like got knocked over because he like falls over off the seat or whatever when he gets slapped mm-hmm. one time. And so I just assumed it all fell out. Yeah, but after yeah. he gets slapped, he comes back up on this chair and it's still on his face. Mm. So then he pulls it off his face and that's when he uh, says his line. So he, he pops up from the ground and he comes up and he pulls the beer off his face and beer sloshes out from the top, which would insinuate in a bottle of or a cup of alcohol that the beer is pretty close to the top. Hmm. And then when he puts it over his head, nothing comes out. And that is, again, one of those silly animation things that don't matter and you only think about when you're looking at it one minute at a time. Yep. (laughs) I solved it. Okay, I've been watching it, that that section, like 10 times. So he comes up and the, the stein is stuck on his face with the bottom facing up. So any beer that was left in it is on his face. And he goes from that backwards position straight to pulling it off. So there must have been a little bit of beer and it was right on his face. And then when he pulls it off, it kind of sloshes around and it does make it look like the beer stein is full because there's definitely some like sloshing in the cup. Yeah. I think that was just like the remnants of what was on his face, like sloshing into into the the stein. So it was, I'm going to say it was empty. There was just a little bit left. And then when he pulled it off, it kind of all went out. And there's just a few drops in there when he gets it on his head. Well, that being said, no one could get a glass stuck to the bottom of their (laughs) eyes and their chin. (laughs) (sighs) Come on, Disney, get it together. I like your theory because it makes Disney right. Because it makes Disney right. <laughs> I usually try to. One, which is like Disney, you were th- your animation was terrible, even though it's perfect. You can't you can't get mad at any of this. I, I have in my notes the beer disappears when the food puts the mug on his head, but after watching it ten times, I don't think it does. <laughs> well, that's all I've got, guys. Y'all have anything else? No, I'm good. Yeah, it's a good minute. It is so dark and. Dark and good. (laughs) (laughs) And happy at the beginning because they both bend a little. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I always forget. Like I get to the end and I'm like, oh yeah, the end, it's so dark. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this minute started like in a happy place. (laughs) Uh It did. Yeah. It did. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. If you want to get a hold of us, be sure to check us out on Growler Media. We also have social media all over the place. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are on YouTube. Just search Beastly Minute and you will find us and be able to interact with us. Janae, how can people get a hold of you if they want to do that? If you would like to get a hold of me, you are welcome to visit my website, JanaeHyatt.com, where you can listen to my voiceover portfolio. And you can also send me an email through there as well as find me on Facebook. It's pretty much it. Nice. And the Crystal Bet. Uh, let us know what you're doing, what people can go and find you on and uh, all that good stuff. Sure. I have another Movies by Minutes podcast. I do The Fifth Element. It's called The Fifth Element Minute. It is on iTunes. I also am a co-host of a video game podcast called Unlimited Lives Radio, also on iTunes, and we stream live on Twitch when we're recording every Thursday from 6 to 7. And you can follow me personally on uh, Twitter and Instagram at the Crystal Beth. Sweet. Do it, people. Do it. Do it. Also, be sure to check out Duo Hansen. They are on YouTube. They provide our music. So thank you to them for doing that. And I wanted to try doing this um, new thing 
where I'm going to read an iTunes review that somebody left for us. Ooh. Yay. What? So this one is titled, My Childhood is Awakening, and it is by T2 Me Too. And they said, going through these first minutes, I'm instantly transported back to my living room and watching this sitting on the floor. Janae and Bobby are digging deep and obviously having fun. What a great listen. Thank you, T2 Me Too. A uh, good name and good review. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us inside. and going on the trip back <laughs> to childhood with us. Yes. It's so much fun. So head over to iTunes. Leave us a review if you like this podcast. And until next time. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> forgot i have a warm heart inside my beast body i have to go to the bathroom that's an interesting theory i hadn't thought of that i don't agree with it but i like it <laughs> it's like okay just be yourself as a pot don't try to be someone else being a pot i want a good gold coin this is the person i want and if she doesn't want me i'm gonna ruin her life until she likes me do 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 brain fart <laughs> I love our cheesy endings. They're so wonderful. That one was supposed to be a good one, Janae. That one wasn't supposed to be cheesy. No, it is it good. Very good. The fact that we do one is just cheesy. It's not that the one you did was cheesy. Does that make sense? I'm keeping your bones. <laughs> <laughs>